0: Hello and welcome to the second show of the Backtracker, where we trawl through the past and discover more about the people and places that existed years ago. You'll hear stories of daring, courage, tragedy, and stupidity, just to prove that things haven't really changed at all. I've been asked why I wanted to do this podcast, and the answer is because I genuinely love reading or hearing about the shenanigans of our predecessors. I was in the process of writing scripts for a radio show that I was going to do with this whole coronavirus epidemic and pandemic and stuff. It's kind of gone by the by. So I decided instead of wasting all that research, I'd do a podcast and share it that way. So here we are. Our predecessors were no different to you and me. They had their own struggles and joy. I just love history, but not too keen on the dry stuff that you get taught at school. This grassroots history seems, you know, a little bit more real to me. Anyway, this week I have a rather tragic story involving two brothers. I hope you enjoy it. The Brothers Tragedy. Today's news story took place back in 1914 in Charlton, which was the name of a small village that used to be where the helicopter-used runway and safety areas of Filton Airport are, as well as the bit between Filton and the Cribs Causeway shopping area, immediately north of Bristol. It was demolished in the late 1940s to allow for the Filton Airport runway to be extended so that the new Bristol Brabazon plane could take off there. The residents were issued with a compulsory purchase order and offered council housing in nearby Patchway. Ironically, the Brabazon project quite literally didn't take off, as it was cancelled in 1953, but the runway extension was useful for Vulcan V bombers during the Cuban Missile Crisis. Our incident takes place during the first few months of World War One, when William Crook, aged 23, from the Loyal North Lancashire Regiment, 5th Battalion, pleaded not guilty to the charges that on the 7th of October 1914, he murdered his younger brother, Matthew Crook, aged 20, and wounded a local girl called Caroline Britton. William and Matthew were both born in Bolton, Lancashire to James and Elizabeth Crook. Their father was a coal miner, and in 1911, they were living with four other siblings. Both brothers enlisted with the loyal North Lancashire Regiments as privates, and in October 1914, Their battalion was stationed near Bristol, and part of its duty was to guard the Great Western Railway Bridge at Charlton near Filton Holt, with two other men, Withington and Boardman. One man would patrol the bridge with a loaded rifle and a bayonet fixed on the end. He was supposed to load the rifle when near the bridge and to unload it when he returned from duty. They were not supposed to let go of their rifles unless they were free of ammunition. When not on duty, the men had the use of a small hut near the bridge. They had become friendly with two girls, named Caroline Britton and Florence Gay, whom they invited to have tea at the hut. Private Boardman said he should have stayed on duty, guarding the bridge until 6 o'clock, but stopped at 5.30 instead, having put his loaded rifle outside the hut whilst he got some water, and leaving the bridge unguarded. When he returned, the accident had already happened boardman later went on guard again, but did not notice whether the rifle he took was loaded or not. Matthew had also gone with the girls to a farm to get some water for the 5pm cuppa, leaving William to get on and prepare everything else for the tea break. Just before 6 o'clock, Withington, one of the men, loaded his rifle before going on duty and put it to one side inside the hut. When Matthew and the girls returned from the farm with the water, his cat badge was missing. He said that he'd have to go to military prison the next morning if they didn't find it. It later turned out that Withington had hidden it for a laugh. One of the girls picked up one of the rifles and put it on her shoulder, pointed it at Withington, play acting, and said she was going to find out where that cat badge is. Where is the cat badge? At which he just laughed. Someone shouted to her to put it down, as it was loaded, which she did. William picked up a gun and in a jovial manner said, Come on, come on in. He was standing at the hut door when Caroline and Matthew came in. He said nothing when he pointed the gun at Caroline and fired. Florence Gay, 19 of Kingswood, who was sat outside talking to Moorcroft, heard the shot and turned around to see Matthew staggering. She then heard William shout, I've shot my brother. I've shot two of them with one shot. Edward Moorcroft caught Matthew before he fell to the ground and told William to help Caroline in case she fell down the embankment. William immediately put Caroline on the floor and Florence could hear him saying he didn't mean to do it and asking for forgiveness. She also heard Caroline Britton say, I know you did not mean to do it. It was a pure accident and I forgive you. Sadly, Matthew died almost immediately, and Caroline was seriously wounded. William Crook immediately ran to the nearby golf club and ran into Thomas Birchfield, whom he'd asked to telephone for a doctor before he collapsed on the floor. Thomas gave him a brandy and listened as William explained that they had just been larking about near the railway when he'd shot his brother but hadn't realised that the gun was loaded. The police were also called and William was taken to the Staple Hill police station and charged with the murder of his brother. On the way there, he explained what had been said about the cat badge and said, My brother picked up a loaded rifle with a bayonet fixed, and then I picked up a loaded rifle and pulled the trigger and it went off. Private Edward Moorcroft said that he was in charge of the men guarding the bridge. He agreed that the members of the group were all really happy, messing about, having a laugh. Then he heard the shot and saw Matthew Crook fall. During the court case, William, the prisoner, was wearing his khaki uniform in the dock. He was so overcome with emotion that he fainted when he had to take his plea. In court, William gave evidence saying, I took up a rifle from the left-hand corner of the hut. Matt was just outside reading a newspaper. I put my finger on the trigger. I had no idea it was loaded. I was gonna have a joke with Caroline Britton. I did not intend to pull it. I did not point the rifle at anybody. Moorcroft admitted in court that he should have seen that the men obeyed the rules. he had seen Withington load the rifle at the hut and did not stop him, which he remorsefully said he should have done. Withington was asked why his loaded rifle was in the hut instead of by the bridge. He couldn't give a reason. Caroline Britton was suffering from abscesses in the chest and couldn't come to the hearing herself. The judge decided that depositions that Caroline had supplied were not admissible because of that. In summing up, the judge told the jury that they should not consider whether the, it was an accident or not. If there were suggestions that it was not an accident, the prisoner would have been on trial for murder. The judge explained the law in reference to the charge of manslaughter and said in relation to the evidence, they should think the jury would come to the conclusion that the prisoner did not know the rifle was loaded and that he had no intention of doing any harm to anyone. But, was the prisoner guilty of gross negligence in handling a dangerous weapon? In the end, the jury returned the verdict of not guilty, and counsel for the prosecution said no evidence would be offered on a second charge of maliciously wounding Caroline Britton. The judge said he was sorry to say the evidence had exposed a most lamentable lack of discipline amongst the prisoner and his companions. Every breach of discipline that could have been committed by them had been committed. He hoped this would be a warning to the prisoner not to pull the trigger of a rifle which is pointed at anybody but an enemy of his country. William and Matthew were both privates in the same battalion. William had served about five years with good conduct and he was married with one child. Matthew is now buried in St Mary the Virgin Churchyard in Henbury. That's the end of our second story, and I hope you enjoyed it and were moved as much as I was when I found it. It's truly heartbreaking how the events of one evening can unfold in such tragic ways. I can't even begin to comprehend how William felt after realising he'd killed his younger brother. And now, I give you the word of the week. And the word this week is Dysania. Dysania was used in the early 1900s and it means extreme difficulty getting out of bed in the morning. Don't know about you, but I can use that every day and I know my children do as well. So we are dedicated sufferers of dysania. If you'd like to get in touch with me, I've got a Twitter account, which is at BacktrackerUK, capital B, capital T, capital UK, can find out more information about the show and just get in touch if you want with some feedback and that's the end of this podcast and next week i'll be telling you about a music icon whose stellar career was tragically cut short 60 years ago this year but until then stay safe stay indoors if you have to goodbye and take care